0: As I open this program today, I recognize that this new week is gonna be a week of some revelation, some information, some change, some changes in direction, and there's even going to be some very important decisions to make. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Well, here in the United States, the campaigns for various political offices, is coming to an end for this cycle. We've heard the political pundits, we've heard the experts, we've heard the pollsters, we've heard the news media, we've seen the faces of people in despair, we have listened to a litany of lies, misrepresentations, and even in some cases, desperation. Tomorrow, We begin to find out the results of the midterm elections in the United States. Now we're already being warned that it may take some time you know it makes it take some time to count all the ballots which already gives me a certain level I hate to say of suspicion. Honestly I'm old enough now, I've observed enough in my life to be a skeptic on many things that we are told. Hate to be this way, I don't like to be this way. I wish I could depend on those that work in government or are in elected office, in our justice department. But those days are over. We have weaponized and politicized to levels unprecedented. Institutions that have kept our country strong and free, they've been given over and they're being misused for all the wrong purposes. They would call me today, the Democrats anyway, the Clintons would call me an election denier. I do not believe the election of 2020 was thoroughly honest. I think there was sufficient cheating. There may have been even enough cheating to overturn the results of that election. Too many suspicious things happened. And using the cover of the pandemic allowed laws to be broken, rules to be changed. Courts intervening where they have no constitutional business to even intervene. They're not allowed to under the Constitution, but they did anyway. And refusing to hear any challenges, always using procedure as their cover, not to look at any real hard evidence in any state. Those that stay... Well, you know, the election of 2020, I mean, the courts didn't, they they threw it all out. No, they didn't. They kicked the can down the road. They didn't want to hear the evidence. Whether the election was, well, accurate or not, to me is still an open question because there are many questions that nobody wants to ever answer. They try to make excuses that things that we've never done before somehow have always been normal in Georgia, or Michigan, or Pennsylvania, or even Wisconsin or Arizona. We're told this has always happened this way. We've always had people leave during the counting process in Georgia to go home and told to return tomorrow and then find boxes of ballots under tables ready to be counted at high rates of speed and change the outcome. We're told that's normal. I don't believe that it is. The same happened in Michigan. The same happened in Philadelphia. And so I will never believe in the integrity of the election that happened in 2020 until certain questions are addressed, investigated and answered. Refusing to investigate doesn't mean it didn't happen. At minimum, at minimum, some of the most egregious claims should have been addressed. Who were these thousands of new voters in the state of Georgia that have no address, that disappeared after the election? Who were these people? Where did they come from? Were they really citizens of the state of Georgia? Nobody wants to discuss that. I've talked a number of times with somebody that I know personally that spent weeks and weeks in some small counties in the middle part of Georgia. He's not even from Georgia, but he came down as part of an investigation team to see what the story was. And all these new people wanting to vote by mail. In small counties in Georgia, where suddenly you'd have like 100 or 150 or 200 new new people registering to vote. And they looked at these, these voters, and they would drive out to see where these people lived. And they kept finding abandoned farms, no buildings, never had been a house, not even a trailer or a tent. And these people voted... And now they can't be found. Well, Bob, that's only 100 votes. I mean, that's not bad. Georgia has 150, what, 359, I can't remember, counties. 100 voters illegal in each of the counties. is like 15,000 votes. The election was separated by 11,000 votes. And bigger counties like Fulton County, DeKalb County, Cobb County to a lesser extent, even Gwinnett County, parts of it. Around the metropolitan Atlanta area, maybe near Albany, Georgia, bigger cities, Augusta, Savannah. How many more thousands of votes could you sneak in in these larger counties where 100 voters is nothing? Maybe there were 500 new voters that can't be found today. Maybe a thousand. But we're never going to know. Voter signatures were never called for in Georgia. And once the envelope was open, you couldn't you can't tell a fraudulent ballot from a valid one. Once they're in the hopper. They cannot be distinguished. And so nobody wants to admit what they did was wrong because if they You know, even if they didn't want Biden to win. Admitting it now means that you failed at your job. That could cost the governor's race in the state of Georgia, which will go to Brian Kemp. I have no doubt in my mind about that. There's not enough cheating possible at the governor race level to get Stacey Abrams over the finish line. How things work on the Senate election remain to be seen. It goes back to what will happen in certain counties in the state of Georgia. And I guess if Brian Kemp's job is on the line, there'll be a closer monitoring of what goes on during the election. Remember, two years ago, the Secretary of State and the governor were not on the ballot. And they didn't want to be sued by Stacey Abrams. Okay, enough about Georgia. Enough about the election. Tomorrow is when the real polling counts. You can listen to the pollsters. You can watch the numbers go up and down. You can see the trends. All of it means nothing as the polls close tomorrow. The only thing that counts are the votes. And we pray that the counting is honest. And I say that sincerely because I, I honestly have to tell you that I still will have my doubts in some places, like New York State, like Pennsylvania, Washington State, where there's the possibility of a Republican winning in a statewide office, in a national office. It's going to be a different world this week when the election is over here in the United States. It's going to be a different world in in the world after this election is over because it's going to start charting a different destiny, maybe. But then again, two years is an eternity in politics. Many things can change in two years. And in spite of all the hope that I have in the election that will occur tomorrow in the United States, I have to recognize that a significant number of ballots have already been cast, already counted, already to be counted. I have to recognize that there is a cognitive disconnect with some people. They keep voting for the people that are destroying the economy. They keep voting for people that are going to make it hard to keep your homes heated in the Northeast, in the Midwest, or to put gasoline or diesel in your vehicle. We have a we have a media that is so ideologically consumed. They don't care that of the damage that'll be done to individuals and people because they figure we're wealthy enough, you know, us reporter types. It really won't impact us, but they don't care how it impacts you. And I'm I'm trying to be I'm talking I want to talk issues, not party. I have to. I I just have to talk some issue and not party for a couple of moments here. January 6th is about all the Democrats have going for them. Even though they're the ones that caused all the riots, those that died, the billions of dollars in damage during the summer of 2020, and they were all for it. To watch people literally on the television with with a police car on fire. And a CNN reporter has the audacity to say, in a peaceful protest or a mostly peaceful protest as you see people running and throwing rocks, bricks, frozen bottles of water and burning police cars, that's a that's considered a mostly peaceful protest. And this went on in city after city after city. People really did die and get murdered in those riots. Buildings were burnt to the ground, businesses destroyed, lives destroyed. Stores closed forever. And that was called the Summer of Love. We're supposed to forget the 2020 riots because, see, they were important. They were going to make, make certain that we could get rid of conservatives anywhere. And elect a figurehead of a president, a puppet of a president, In a corrupt individual by the name of Joe Biden. Who made millions of dollars selling out this country as both a senator and the vice president. And they wanted him in office because they knew that he would do anything he was told. How many times you've ever seen Biden saying they're telling me I have to do this or I can't do that? Who are they? My wife calls it elder abuse. And so we have this president that just says whatever he's told to say for an agenda that is truly satanic, demonic, and evil. Well, Bob, what do you mean satanic, demonic, and evil? Wind and solar. That's going to take care of all of our energy needs because, you know, we have to save the planet from, you know, CO2 and carbon footprints. Did you let me just ask you a question real quick. Let me just throw this at you. I'm I'm old enough to remember a TV program from the 1960s called Star Trek. okay? And some of you I know are old enough to remember it as well. And they talked about a class M planet. Remember that? Yeah, carbon-based. A carbon-based planet. The Earth just happens to be a carbon-based planet. You and I, in these bodies that are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, are carbon-based. It's just the way it is. Our plants are carbon-based. And we're told carbon is bad. Carbon is the primary building block of this planet and all of the life on this planet, whether it be plant life, cellular life, or animal life, or human life. And so somehow we have convinced a generation that carbon is bad. We're carbon. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you have people running around saying we have to reduce the carbon footprint. We have people that openly state that that literally only one in 13 human beings should be allowed to live because we have too many people on the planet. We need to wipe people out by the billions with a B to sustain our fragile planet. Because, see, those that worship the creator understand something. We're not to worship the creation, the creature, as the Bible teaches in in Romans chapter 1. But all of these individuals that scream about climate change, man-made climate change, With all these ridiculous predictions, none of which have ever yet come true. All the predictions I heard in the 70s failed. All the ones I've heard in the 80s and the 90s have never come to to pass, even though they were supposed to have occurred by now. My home in Florida should be underwater. My grandparents' old home from many, many years ago in Long Island should be threatened by sea rise in Long Island. None of which has ever happened. The great freezing that was supposed to occur in the 70s and 80s became global warming by the 90s and when that didn't pan out, just call it climate change and just ride whatever is happening and call it abnormal. And somehow we're going to have wind and solar run everything in this country. And we're going to shut down everything else like fools. Even Joe Biden said it last Friday. And it's kind of scary when you hear him say it. So it's going to become a wind generation. And all they're doing is you're going to save them a hell of a lot of money. And they're using the same transmission line that transmitted to coal-fired electric on we're going to be shutting these plants down all across America and having wind and solar and then there's poor Joe Manchin <laughs> the, the, the idiotic senator from the state of West Virginia the guy that tries to pretend he's some kind of a moderate when he's nothing more than a political animal trying to stay in power stay in DC, stay relevant After the 2020 election, he became one of the most important people in the United States Senate. He was, he and what's-her-name became kind of the swing vote of moderation. All a bunch of baloney. All a bunch of nonsense. All a big fat lie. Joe Manchin is a swamp creature. He is not trustworthy. He's a liar. He's a reprobate. He's a fool. He's a tool of the establishment. And he pretends to be something he's not. But even he's politically savvy enough to recognize he lives in a state that depends upon coal. And when it came time to to sign off on the most dangerous, ridiculous, damaging, destructive bill ever passed by the House and the Senate and signed by an inept president, a lie, a falsehood of a bill called the Inflation Reduction Act, which did zero, nothing to, to deal with runaway inflation. All it did was increase inflation, increase the national debt. It'll increase unemployment. It'll decrease your income. It will make our homes cold this winter. And the reprobate in the White House is burning up our strategic reserve to artificially hold down the price so you don't notice it tomorrow on Election Day as bad as you would have otherwise. And so what is this reprobate of a president? What's this reprobate of a senator from West Virginia going to do after the election? we have the lowest amount of diesel fuel that runs our trucks and our trains than we've ever had in many, many decades. And there are more of us consumers, so it's going to be bad. Things are going to be a lot tougher very soon. And the media just sits there like, like Nero with, you know, playing the fiddle while Rome was burning. Everything's good because we have Joe Biden in the White House. All we have is January 6th and abortion. That's all we've got. A friend of mine made a posting that I thought was rather telling. He said it just breaks his heart and makes him want to throw up. Listening to women in their 60s talking about why to them the issue of abortion is more important than anything else in the world and that their vote in pennsylvania that's where this individual lives will be for john fetterman because they know john fetterman will vote to kill babies will vote to let people kill their babies even after they're born And so I don't have a whole lot of hope in the election tomorrow. Joe Manchin, you can complain all you want about what Biden just said about we're going to get rid of coal. They're going to get rid of all fossil fuels. And I wish they would stop using the term fossil fuel. It's a phony, fake term, it's meaningless. There is no such thing as a fossil fuel. That was an invention of the Russians in the 1700s. Because back in those days, remember the TV show The Beverly Hillbillies? When he was out there shooting for some food, up come up through the ground came some bubbling crude. Oil that is. Black gold, Texas tea. Back in the day, you found a lot of oil just beneath the surface. And so Russian scientists, in you know, before the Revolutionary War in this country, had come up with a hypothesis that this may be the remnants of decaying life forms from thousands of years ago. We're finding oil down at some depths that would definitely make that proposition of being a fossil fuel totally ridiculous. But we keep saying it over and over again, and our children believe it in the schools. What's that? Nye the science guy. You know, it's fossil fuel. No, it is not. You're lying. You're making people believe in a lie. It becomes part of the, the culture and the narrative. We must eliminate fossil fuels. Carbon bad. That means, Joe Biden, that means you're bad. You're carbon. Kamala Harris, you're carbon too. Clinton, Hillary Clinton, you're carbon. Kathy Hochul, you're carbon based. That means you're a danger to the environment yourself. What are you going to do about it? Do you understand what's at stake? The election tomorrow is not even a Band-Aid. Let me make that clear. The election tomorrow in the United States is not even a Band-Aid. It's definitely not a solution. I can remember, I can remember 1980. Ronald Reagan running for president. I was a radio announcer in a small to medium-sized town at the time. In upstate New York. And I had the opportunity two times in one day. To sit down to meet and talk to Ronald Reagan. Once at the radio station during my morning program. And then a little later in the afternoon. At a brand new shopping mall that had just opened up. Where he was coming to meet and greet. there were thousands of people there, and I did a live broadcast. So I had the opportunity to meet Ronald Reagan twice. And everybody, even in upstate New York, even in downstate New York, there was this hope and optimism. We had gone through so much in just the recent years before that election, going all the way back really to 1971. Getting off the gold standard, we had terribly inflationary times. High unemployment, real wages declining, optimism low, gas prices, gas shortages. Jimmy Carter on the TV, put on a sweater and freeze. The country's in a malaise country is in ruins because of you and your party, Mr. Mr. Carter. And I had the opportunity in 1976 to actually have dinner with Jimmy Carter. A nice enough guy, but as many people told this young radio reporter off the record, the guy's a dummy. The guy is a political well he'll say and do anything for politics. And he'd been a mediocre at best governor in the state of Georgia. But they were able to package the Sunday school teacher from Plains, Georgia up against what had just gone on during the Watergate mess. Any Democrat would have won. But having a a nice guy from the South... Sunday school teacher, all highly moral. That's the Trojan horse they put in the White House in 76. And in only four years' time, he took things that were terrible and made them horrible. And here we are again. Just like Ronald Reagan... It's Like Ronald Reagan in 80 People are hoping for Things to get better And they do for a brief period of time Then evil gets its hand back On everything all over again Didn't take long did it There was not 12 years of prosperity per se there were some real up and downs during those 12 years of Ronald Reagan followed by George H.W. Walker Bush, whatever, you know, What by the first President Bush. And by 1992, there were economic difficult times again and again and again. I can remember 1994 New Gingrich and the Republicans contract with America we're going to come in here and fix everything and for six solid years the Republicans had the House and the Senate with Bill Clinton in the White House and Clinton won again in 96 go figure did things really get better morally, spiritually and otherwise? of course they didn't our decline towards self-destruct continued Our debasement of our personalities and our spirits was unstopped. And here we are today. Oh yeah, remember 2010? The Tea Party movement. We're going to fix it all then. The Tea Party movement, 12 years ago. I remember it. I remember it well. And President Obama took what they say was a shellacking in that election. Yet he still won again in 2012. Did it really get fixed in 2010? Of course not. Did it get fixed in 2012? No. But 2014, Democrats had regained control of the House for a while. Then they gained it back in 18. They lost it in 2020. In other words, this little back and forth. We're not going to fix it. If you think we are tomorrow in the United States, you're deceived. We may get a little reprieve. And that's all you can count on. Yeah, we're going to shut down those plants across America. We're going to have wind and solar. We're going to buy everything from China. Of course, China will be burning fossil fuels to make our solar panels and our turbines and our generating equipment. And they will have the infrastructure in place to control all the computers that run our energy system before it's over. Now, tomorrow things don't start getting better. We don't take America back. We don't fix anything. If we are blessed at all, in the slightest, in absolutely the slightest, the absolute best that we can hope for is we buy a little time to work for the kingdom of God before he breaks the sky and calls his children home. I went a little long in this segment. I really didn't expect to do this because I have some other important things I really have to share in the next segment. This is going to be a week of change of direction, decisions, revelation. I have no doubt in my mind about that. And I need your prayers as we are now in this new month for me, this radio program, and and all that God has laid out. I'm going to know some things later this week. I may not get a chance to share them on Thursday. I'm hoping that I can. If I can't, it'll be Friday. I'll be giving you some updates later this week. But your prayers, as we continue, are coveted and are needed, and they're necessary like never before. I mentioned this on the weekend program. I would really appreciate hearing from you, even if it's just a card, a letter, an email. By the way, I don't, when I ask you to send me an email, I am not developing an email list. I'm not putting you on a list where I'm gonna start filling up your inbox, I don't do that. I've never done that since the beginning of this radio program. I get a lot of emails every day, and I can appreciate a full inbox full of a bunch of stuff. And so I've never done that. Maybe I should send out a, maybe a monthly something on email. Maybe that is something I should do, but right now I'm not doing it. But I am going to ask you to do something if you have email access. Would you let me know when and how you listen? And my direct email comes to me only. Nobody else is Bob at truth, the number two com. Bob at truth. Then you put the number two and the word ponder.com Bob at truth to ponder.com. Maybe you listen on shortwave. Maybe as a podcast, if on shortwave, what time of the day roughly where do you live like i live in the midwest i live in the central time zone i hear you at 9 p.m on 5950 or maybe i hear you earlier in the day on 9395 whatever it is let me know or i i catch you as a podcast when i don't hear you on radio that means a lot to me and maybe you can tell me if it's you know on itunes is it on spreaker is it on well whatever iHeart. Podcast gets out in a lot of locations. I just don't know where they go. But it does help me in planning the future on how to do things. I want to be a good steward of all the resources God has given me and this ministry. And for those that can, if you can help pay for the air time, would you, would you, Consider making a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. And the mailing address is very easy. It's Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. And the city is Chilhowie. One word Chilhowie. C H I L H O W I E. Chilhowie, Virginia. By the way, Chilhowie from the Native American means Valley of Many Deer and I can attest to that living out here in this little countryside area. And the zip code in Shilhowee, Virginia is 24319. That is 24319. 24319. Now listen, when I come back, I want to give you some other updates and things that I need to talk about. And we need to share and be ready for the time that's coming ahead. Like I say, there's a lot of decisions, a lot of information coming out. Might be causing some revelations to some, changes for others. We'll see. And we will be right back. This is Truth to Ponder
1: with Bob Beerman. Close to the judge coming up. Shalom alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy Jonathan Kahn. Your Jewish connection Bringing you the riches Of your Jewish roots in Jesus Now get your pen out As fast as you can So you don't miss out You're receiving a special free gift You're going to get And love in a moment We're living in the last days The Lord is coming No matter what you think, when you think it is, you can be sure you're living closer to his coming than any other generation of believers in history. And he's coming to judge, to reign and to judge. He will come to judge the earth. That means you're living in light of his coming. That means you need to live in holiness. You see, the king is coming to your house. Imagine the king is coming or the judge is coming to your house. You better make sure your your house is clean. You better make sure it's, it's in order. You know, if you were far away from the judge, you might be lax, you know, but if you're closer to the judge, you know, he's coming and well, you got to be sober. We are the generation closer to the Lord, to the judge than any other. We need to be the most sober generation, more holy, proper. The generation most close to him has to be the most sanctified to him. Lift up whatever you have in your life. You got things in your life? Listen, everybody does. Lift it up to God. Be transparent. Nothing to hide. Let the light come into everything in your life. Nothing in darkness because of all generations you're chosen to be close to the judge. He's coming to your house. Live in a manner worthy of his coming. That is ready for it. Keep nothing away. Keep nothing that you're ashamed of. Live. In the light of the judge, for the king is coming, the judge is coming, the bridegroom is coming for a spotless bride. Want more? Ask for The Sound of the King on CD. Now, imagine being plugged into a special line that you know on future events, news behind the news, biblical prophecy updates on Israel. What you need to know is an end time believer plus teachings and strength for every day of your week. And the incredible mystery of the temple doors on CD, yours free. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus is real Hebrew name and you dial it. That's it. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 for your free gifts. You will be blessed. But call now 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join me to reach the unreached peoples of the world in the most incredible way, from Moscow to India, Madagascar to Jerusalem. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You can blanket the earth with shortwave radio. It's amazing. The farthest way you can ever impact the world for the gospel. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. Or write me direct. Here's how. The address is the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Cahn saying... Get ready. Shalom and Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah, Melech Abba, the coming King.
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. There are a lot of things going on this week. Of course, the election here in the United States tomorrow on Tuesday. And I doubt I can give you a whole lot of input tomorrow on the program, on the outcome, because I have to have the radio program done long before the polls will close And as I mentioned in the first part of the program, we're already being told by the White House, you know, it may take some time to get all the results. We'll see. I think we'll have an idea tomorrow night. I haven't even decided what I want to discuss tomorrow on the program as we're kind of waiting for the results. And the results may be known, especially for those that listen to the nighttime broadcast. You may know a lot of that information by that time. We'll have a feel for it. But I do think that I want to outline the things that we can be doing regardless of tomorrow's election outcome in the United States. Because even if we take the House and even if we keep or increase the lead or a good lead in the Senate... We still don't have the White House. We still don't have the Department of Justice. We still don't have the FBI. We still have nothing except the purse strings to a degree. And so don't expect a dramatic change tomorrow. Besides, they're going to have another couple of months to wreak havoc in this country before the beginning of next year. They've got the remainder of November, part of December. Even though they're kind of lame duck sessions, there's a lot of damage that can be done by the wounded party going out of power. There'll be some landmines left. There'll be phony trumped up charges. More lying. Don't believe for one minute that after the election... Things will get better. Even if we should see a change in the House, the Senate, and some governor's mansions and other kind of locations and and elections, the enemy's not going to retreat quietly. You know, when the Germans were losing in the Second World War, as allied forces came across France and heading toward Germany, Germany was destroying behind them, burning bridges and destroying infrastructure as they retreated back to their homeland. And this is exactly what's going to happen between now and the beginning of next year if the Democrats lose power in the House and the Senate. You will awaken... Such hatred and anger, the likes of which you've never seen before in this nation. You know, I'm amazed, like I say, a friend of mine, when he made that posting, it just broke his heart, made him want to throw up to hear just women, grandmotherly types, talking about how abortion was the only issue that meant anything to them in this election. Everything else was immaterial. They have to keep their Moloch worship alive. Where does this evil, satanic thought process come from? There's a guy, I occasionally read some of his matures, his name is Tom Woods. And he recently did a little ebook that I thought was rather fascinating. And it does make some sense. And this is something he shared in a recent email. It goes like this. It's difficult to know exactly when it happened, but not long ago, many Americans suddenly looked around and discovered they and their neighbors inhabited completely different moral universes. Now, whether it's Black Lives Matter, teaching gender theory to young children, or the usefulness or otherwise or lack thereof of COVID restrictions and vaccines and, and a wide variety of other subjects, people on one side of the divide have exerted a moral imperialism over the other. And those that have been buying the more current extremist views on COVID don't even want to hear the other side present anything. They want to believe what they believe. They won't even acknowledge there is another side. Their side is the only side. And they, they demand that social media and the news media censor, restrict, and silence those that would possibly disagree with what they have come to believe, whether they get there with facts or not, is irrelevant. We have people that lecture us day in and day out on how we shouldn't impose our morality on other people. But they've been doing it themselves to everybody else for the past, oh, I don't know, two and a half years. And now you already have the seeds being sown in very leftist magazines and publications like The Atlantic. We need amnesty over covid policies what does that tell you right up front the fact that that is even in the discussion that would not have been discussed six months ago or definitely a year ago it was like take no prisoners you do it our way or else you lose your job if you don't Take the experimental shot. Your kids need a vaccine too. Even though they don't die from COVID, they don't get sick from it, they really don't spread it, we're going to give it to them anyway, not even knowing what damage it may do to them over the next 10, 20, or 30 years. There has been this lockstep mindset. And that's why I use terms like the mass COVIDians people that drive in their cars to this day wearing a face mask. Even though we've known for 50 years they do nothing to stop the spread of a virus. Never have, never will. But we believe false pretenses because they they fit a political narrative. So these same people that masked our children in nursery schools, let our grandparents and great-grandparents die alone in nursing homes, not able to touch or be with their families. They died in loneliness and misery. CDC protocols that we now know, there is no doubt. This is, There's no discussion left. And they still have them. The protocols, according to many doctors that put their reputations and their careers and everything on the line, probably caused at least 80% of all the COVID deaths we recorded in the United States and the world. We treated this disease like we've never treated anything before, and it was a treatment that was guaranteed to fail. But it was guaranteed to make the hospitals boatloads of money. Sorry, but that's what happened. The bean counters ran medicine. You know, last week when I had to get my surgical procedure done, everybody's got to wear a face diaper because of the coronavirus. Thankfully, they had just dropped the mandate to be tested. And I was really debating if I was going to even have the procedure if I had to go through this silly test. I don't trust it. Never have trusted it. And we know that it could be manipulated to create positives whenever they needed it. Didn't matter what you died of, it could be called COVID. Now we have a vaccine that doesn't work. We had governors, you had the President of the United States, you had the Congress of the United States, the Senate, all wanting to mandate everybody get the shot. I shared with you last year in August when, for example, Pfizer got the approval from the FDA for their trade name version of their of their uh, vaccine. Funny, you still can't get it in the United States. It's not for sale. You're still getting emergency use only. Because if they ever gave you the real shot that they claim is approved, they're now financially responsible for any damage it causes to you. You can then sue them. Right now, you can't. And so what did our morally, ethically, medically, politically bankrupt CDC do? They approve this vaccine for children. Put it on the schedule, which guarantees that when... Pfizer starts actually giving you Comirnaty or when Moderna gives you Spikevax, you still can't sue them because see once a vaccine goes on the child recommendation list, it extends to the manufacturer the ability where they are not held liable. This had nothing to do with the health of your children. It had to do with the political influence of these megabillion-dollar corporations that are demanding that everybody take their stuff for the rest of their lives. They don't want cures. They want endless streams of customers. Tomorrow may buy us some time. Maybe some, maybe a little bit more than I'm anticipating, maybe not much at all. And this week is going to be a week, I think, of some revelation and some information for a lot of folk. I know for me, Thursday, and when the program has to be produced the way this one does, I may not be able to tell you on Thursday what happens Thursday. Because my appointment to find out what's going on with me health-wise is after the program is recorded. So you may have to wait till Friday. I have a teleconference with the surgeon that did the work on me last week to find out the pathology on what they found in my bladder. I don't know what it is. Could it be dyspolyps? Could it be cancer? Could it be major cancer, minor cancer? We don't know. And so these past six days Since that surgery, I've been recuperating, doing a little bit better each day, and finally got out of the house trying to do something I don't normally do. I'm still doing the radio show and I'm getting some rest, trying to allow some healing. Overall, I feel very good and I can see some dramatic improvement. In front of me right now, on my desk, is a lease that I could sign. And I would have access to use a church building not far from where we live. It used to be a church of another denomination that, that sadly, like many churches, aged out and it closed down. It's been used for some other little church starts, but it's, a, it's just a nice little building in a little community. And, and over this past weekend, I spent a little bit of time doing some, some research on the churches around this immediate area. We live in Chilhowee, Virginia, which means we're close to towns like Marion, Virginia, Seven Mile Ford, just down the road, Abagon, and and we're not that far from Bristol. And so I started looking up the churches that serve this area. And I'm gonna tell you something, for being in what is called the buckle of the Bible belt, I was horrified. Horrified. How many churches do not have any kind of a website or the website is dead, or the website is years out of date, the contact information is wrong, and how many churches have no way to contact them at all? Now the mainline churches, you know, they they've got their own issues theologically and otherwise. They they have abandoned many of them the gospel. They're they're doing their own strange thing. And I want nothing to do with them. And even there, you saw these once beautiful big church buildings that used to seat 2 and 300 on a Sunday, they got 30 people, 20 people. And some pastor at wearing some rainbow stole talking about social justice nonsense and not even the gospel of jesus christ the gospel of jesus christ has been reduced to a social people gospel not christ-centered and you see a lot of older people and in some of these mainline churches those are the handful that are still pushing abortion on demand and all the social wokeness There are just a handful of Bible-believing churches and they don't even know how to to communicate anymore in this world. It's hard to find a church where God's word is proclaimed, where it's not a club or a cult or a clique or a family-operated business. And so I could Lease this building very affordably starting in December, maybe open it up just in time for Christmas, and then really push toward Easter. You know, here, even in this part of the Bible Belt, the number of people that do not go to church on a regular basis is frightening. And it's not just because of COVID. This has been a trend that was long before COVID. COVID became an excuse for those looking for an excuse. And and I see starting this church and bringing other people in to do more of it than me. I mean, this is my job to pave that way, make a great place for recording, a great place for, you know, taking recordings of messages given to use in a radio format and environment to share the good news in ways that others have not done. And So would you pray for me, I'm not going to know the answer of what I can do till later this week. Am I going to be hampered, hindered? Am I going to be under some kind of treatment that may debilitate me for a long time? May my life end up being shortened? I don't know. But it's not going to happen overnight. But in all the time that God gives me, I'm going to use it for His kingdom and His glory. I'm going to share with you the good news. This radio program needs to... I need to have a co-host at some point. Not because I'm fading away, because I need to groom others. I'm 68. I don't think I'll be doing this if the Lord should grant me healing and he delays his return. I don't want to be doing this at 78 or 80. Others should be coming in behind me. The same with the church. The same with some of the churches that I'm helping to plant right now. We need to raise up young pastors for the glory of God. Young radio people that can share the good news for the glory of God. And it's up to people like myself using the experience that God has granted us to share what we have learned with the next generation. I'm not giving up. And my heart says I'm not going to be giving up for a long time yet to come, regardless of the things that I have to face. So right now, I need your prayers more than any time since this program began. I'll be here as long as God wants me here and as long as you help keep me here. Pray for me. Would you email me? Would you drop me a card or a letter? My email address is bob at at truth2ponder.com. I need to hear from you. Our website is another way you can support us. You can also find my personal email address there. And if you can support us financially, would you consider making a check payable to Ancient Word Radio? Ancient Word Radio. The mailing address is Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E. Chilhowie, Virginia. The zip code is 24319. That's 24319. And we will be back tomorrow.